Welcome to a special edition of the Collingwood Rant. I'm Sly. And I'm the only way is up, Spook. Spook, we have a new coach. That sounds wrong. (laughs) We have a new coach. Do we? Yes. Craig Was it Clarko? No, no, it's Craig McRae. No, no. Was it does he know Clarko? Yeah, he, he no. apprenticed under Clarko. Well, that's all right by me. No, um, no, I'm very, very thrilled with this one. So let's just go through some of his CV. Playing career 95 to 2004 if Brisbane played in those three flags. 195 how many, games. How many did he win against us? Yeah, two. That's a pretty average stat. Uh, coaching career 207 to 09. Richmond played development coach. 210 Brisbane development coach. 211 to 15. Collingwood head of development. 216 to 220. Richmond assistant coach, 217 to 298. Richmond VFL head coach, and he coached a grand final loss and a flag in that. Two, uh, 2021, Hawthorne assistant coach. And now he's Collingwood senior coach. As um, a player player and a coach, he's got the three premierships, uh, 2014, AFLCA development coach of the year, um, AFL premiership assistant coach, uh, 17, 19, and 20. 2019 assistant coach of the year 2019 vehicle coach of the year that's some pretty good that's a pretty good cv he's got a lot of awards uh and i think the ultimate one though what's that a a gold logie (laughs) so checking the socials the message boards and all that most people that i'm i'm sure there's going to be dissidents somewhere but predominantly it's overwhelmingly positive yeah, I know. I was saying to that you uh, earlier. I, I, I can't recall a time where there's this much unanimous um, uh, favoritism for a decision. It, it's it feels like we're in the twilight zone. It's okay. So let's go back a little bit again. All right. So the, the wiggly lines. Yeah. Do yeah. So you go back earlier this year. Eddie falls on his sword. Uh, How many times? Get- <laughs> Correct can. answer is not enough. Uh, you get this joint presidency between Mark Corder and Peter Murphy, which was I don't know, a little bit clunky. Corder, I heard they resolved that by saying there can be only one. Well, that would have worked well. Mark Corder takes over. His initial month or so is pretty average, his first month. You get all that, you know, the initial um, articles saying we're one game out of the flag. Oh, sorry, away from the finals. I wish we were one game away from the flag. Yeah, uh, you know, he talks about coups. He talks about asking Eddie. talks about being a little P president and all that. It really feels like he doesn't know how to quite handle that role or at least handle it publicly. Behind closed doors, it might be a little bit different. Uh, you get the Bridie O'Donnell appointment, which is the last straw for a lot of people. And at that stage, we're also agitating for change and criticizing the club and all that sort of stuff. Yep. They then mutually part ways with Nathan Buckley as senior coach. Jeff Brown criticized that. In his seven points, which were like three and a half points really, but in those seven points he made, he criticized the handling of Buckley's exit. Hey, can I just say something before you go on there? If a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to see it, does it make a sound? We're talking about Jeff Brown. If Jeff Brown releases a press statement and nobody hears him read it, does he make a sound? Well, did he even write it? I don't know. <laughs> oh, that 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 couldn't be right. Um, okay, but so they part ways. Wouldn't be, uh, we wouldn't be conned by that, would we? No, no. 
Totally not. Uh, so we part ways with Buckley. Queen's birthday clash, albeit in, in Sydney, is his last game. Jeff Brown criticised that. But I actually, you look at that press conference where Buckley retired, outside of Mark Robinson making a mess of it. Um, I thought How the club... did you miss him at today's conference? Yeah. Uh, missed him like, yeah. Anyway, uh, Collingwood handled that really well. They handled it. They were extremely dignified in handling, handling it. I know there are people who were really pleased that Mark Corder wasn't front and centre in that press conference the way... Eddie Maguire would have been. He was, he was there. He was standing off to the side. But it was a very, you know, low-key, modest affair. And then by having Buckley step aside at that point, it freed him up to start looking for coaches. So you compare that to what Carlton's doing now. We're going to do a review for nine years. At the end of that nine years, we're going to decide the coach we said whose position is safe is not safe. He's out. And now... At the end of the home and away season, we now have to start a process ourselves to find a coach, even though we probably knew we were going to do this midway through the year, even though we claimed we weren't going to do it. So Collingwood actually freed themselves up. And going on articles of Paul LeCuria early in the year, he talked about the exhaustive process that they were going to employ to find a coach. And throughout all this, we've heard talks of, you know, they're talking to this guy, that guy. There's a lot of names thrown around. In appointing McRae and looking at his CV, his CV is exactly what we need in terms of his, you know, he's coached developmentally, he's coached his own teams, he's experienced premiership success as his own coach, as a VFL coach, he's experienced success as an assistant. It's really a fantastic list of accomplishments where you look at it and think, okay, this guy, yeah, obviously, um, Football's all subject to whims and all that sort of thing, but he's the best credentialed person you could have put in that job. And you look at Collingwood, you think, geez, you actually nailed that. You totally fucking nailed that process. And despite that really poor start to their tenure as an administration, since Buckley stepped down, they've really done a good job of trying to navigate the club out of this mess that they find themselves in. Yep, absolutely. And I can tell you now, I've, been, I've never been more convinced that that board needs to be spilled. <laughs> well, you're being facetious, obviously. Oh, I mean, really? I, that's, not, that's not me. Look, look I, looking at the socials, I'm still seeing people... I mean, I'm actually amazed that people have the audacity to make a statement that goes something like this. Fantastic appointment, Collingwood. Well done. Can't fault you. Now spill that board because they can't do anything right. There was a bit of a theme there, wasn't there? I'm actually, look, you know, I know we've sort of flipped around on this, but, you know, I actually look at it from the point of view and I'll, I'll just, I'll fucking say it because no one else does. Free of the shadow of Eddie Maguire, I'm actually pretty pleased with the direction the board's taking. And I think maybe... What do you mean by addressing all the things that were making people upset? Yeah. And look, I don't know what Eddie McGuire was like as a president. People might tell me I'm completely wrong. I know he still has a lot of defenders, and a lot of that, is, a lot of that defense is built on his early tenure as a president, where he apparently saved the club and so forth. And again, you know, the things he's, he's credited for are stuff like moving the club to the MCG. No, he didn't do that. The Kevin Rose administration did that. Um, they signed that deal. Eddie McGuire actually opposed it. He wanted to go to Telstra. 
Uh, the the Air Emirates sponsorship again. That was the Kevin Rose administration who managed that. Eddie actually lives in the glory of some of those decisions which financially secured Collingwood's future, but he was not party to those decisions. He inherited their um, their luster for you know the one of a better word. I'm not saying he's a horrible president or anything, but like I think he gets appreciated a little bit. And then I actually get really concerned, Spook. When did you see that? verbal altercation he had with Sam McClure earlier in the year where Sam McClure alluded to Collingwood's list management as a debacle. Yep. And that was embarrassing. Maguire just shouted him down, bullied him into submission. A few weeks later on Footy Classified, Sam McClure was asked about that, that thing. And Sam McClure just said, yeah, I don't want to poke that bear again. So he wouldn't actually even go to the story for fear of the repercussions. You go back to last year when... Do you recall Eddie McGuire had another verbal altercation with Tony Jones about memberships? Yep. And re- yep. again, embarrassing. If you watch that, I've, I've seen that several times on because it's on YouTube. Tony Jones does absolutely nothing wrong. He asks a question and Eddie just goes straight at him. And Tony Jones just, just keeps getting, trying to get this answer. And McGuire just keeps attacking him. And then in a follow-up on Footy Classified, Caroline Wilson said, well, you never answered the question. And Eddie just, again, went off. Didn't go off uh, with the same vehemence, but he still talked around it. And Caroline Wilson actually mocked him to an extent. We still haven't answered the question. I actually wonder, when you get someone challenging this guy and that's his response, what the hell was the administration like? Oh, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and, you know, I think it's probably weak to... To, to accuse them of, of, of failing to, to stand up to that type of um, individual. But, you know, I think over time that the, the, the monolith became bigger than the man and um, it was a hard thing to crack. Well, the other reality is he's not there. Why do people think he's not there if the admin didn't sp- uh, stand up to him? Surely they did. Lee Matthews alluded to it, that they knifed him in the back earlier in the year. He said it. So people will say, well, he left because of the do better report press conference it's like no he actually resigned earlier than that he resigned at the virtual members forum um it was just going to take a year to take effect he was going to groom a successor for 2021 but then the do better press conference he handled that so confrontationally that the blowback was just horrible and that's when he stepped down and going back to the do better press conference report uh press conference Um, sorry yeah just on that uh, statement you made a minute ago um Quarter today, um, and naturally someone had to ask a question about um, the AGM and, and what was happening there. And he reiterated the point um, twice that the board um, is elected by the members and the board elects the president. And yet there you had Eddie pretty much saying he was going to groom a successor. Yeah. Isn't he like publicly flouting that, uh, you know, there is no board decisions, it's me, and it's always been me? Oh, Totally. And I'm just going just to go back to the press conference there is Peter Murphy and Jody Sizer. And I know a lot of people, and we said it ourselves, Jody Sizer was fantastic that day. And if she and Murphy weren't there, you just think, geez, how much could have that really blown up? I mean, it blew up as it was, but it could have totally mm-hmm. went thermonuclear. So the point ultimately is we've got a fucking great coaching appointment. And I think, you know, you got to give credit to the board and you need to actually start asking questions of, well, maybe now that they're out of that shadow, they can actually function cohesively and harmoniously to 
produce a future for the Collingwood that we all want to see. I mean, McRae, you know, I, I've had a lot of people message me today uh, in relation to his press conference, extremely impressed by the way he spoke about the club and about what needs to be done. And these are people who were um, dubious of his name being up there at the end. You still get those Collingwood people who say, well, we should get a name coach. You know, you still get that sort of criticism of, oh, well, we should get, when they had a conversation with someone, they said, we should get Clarks. And I said, well, he doesn't want to coach, but we should still get him. But he doesn't <laughs> want to like coach. The Hessian, Hessian sack over his head one day in his driveway and just drag him away, drip water on him until he says he wants to do it. Well, I mean, we've mentioned it before. You want someone who wants to be there. So I am actually, for the first time in years, very excited about 20, oh, yeah, another season. And going into the next year, I know that, yeah, we're still in the developmental path. Um, and we're probably not going to see finals. I mean, if all the older players stay fit, we could probably finish anywhere from 6th to 10th. But, you know, I understand that in all likelihood we're going to finish outside the finals. But I'm actually excited to see where this club goes on a lot of different levels. I mean, one, McRae talked about playing an attractive brand of football. Um, I don't think you can really put that on Buckley's CV for any year outside of 2018. Uh, in terms of development of players and recognising what they need and building a list that will be successful, you know, it's all... Uh, yeah, again, we're, we're all victims to whims and injuries and, you know, draft choices that don't work out and all that sort of stuff. But I actually feel optimism for the first time you know, in a long, long time. And compare that to last year when we drafted 928 players in that, you know, in the draft period, I still didn't feel that excitement going into this year because I just felt those lodestones that were Eddie Maguire and Nathan Buckley, you know, and, you know, thank you for your service to the club. Uh, keep maintaining Bucks, one of the best players I've seen. But going into that year with Eddie as president or this year as Eddie, with Eddie, who was intended to be president and Buckley as coach, it was just like, I just thought, oh, Jesus, it's, it's like getting on the Titanic when you know the iceberg's out there. <laughs> just around the corner. No, I totally agree. I mean, I, I tuned into that press conference today and just felt completely re-energised at the end, which is, again, sort of fairly unusual, but it just felt like everything is, is clicking into place finally and that's like you're now coming out of that wilderness of the last um 10 years let's call it 10 years um that it just feels like now this is the right change this is the stuff we've been all well, uh, people like you and i have been clamoring for um none of this stuff smacks of collingwood well we've this never is, done, we've never run a process to get a coach uh i think the closest we might have got was 80 283 when we um 18 no no, no um 1982 1983 when we got uh john kale but i think yeah. we were originally trying to get john kennedy uh, stand to be corrected and that fell through with the committee I, I i don't think there was really a process i think it was like this guy that guy and back then that was part of the, that era he was like yeah mm. let's just go tap someone this guy's retired from playing just getting his coach and that sort of stuff We've never run a process. And this process, as you can see, it was thorough. And the other thing too is, and I'm impressed with this, is like all the shit that the media were coming up with was shit. 
because they were saying, you know, it's down to four, it's down to two. Um, and then they were coming out and contradicting themselves. And it was like, obviously, they were just guessing. And it wasn't no, until... The media, surely not. <laughs> they research this stuff, don't they? I've seen movies where they go out and investigate things. Are you saying they don't do that anymore? I don't know if the football media has ever done that. You get... Um, but they were guessing. And Collingwood just shut up and did their job. And they mm-hmm. ran their process. And obviously, it would have been a lot harder with COVID because you can't, particularly in Victoria, over the last you know couple of months, you can't sit down with people. You can't catch up in the cafe for a chat. You can't... Which probably worked in their advantage as well in, in terms of keeping it all tight-lipped. Oh, yeah, potentially. But the club just didn't leak at all. And that's really impressive also. For a club that, you know, has been floundering for a little while, the way they've come out of this since uh, Buckley's departure, I'm not, and I'm not attributing this to Buckley, I'm just saying since that time, their management has been pretty impressive, you know. So kudos to them. I agree. Never thought I'd say those words. And I know people, there will still be critics out there who will say, hey, we should we should go to the proven coach. So you go over to Carlton, it looks like Ross Lyon will probably be their coach. I don't know. Um, you didn't watch Classified tonight, did you? Not just tonight, Spook. <laughs> you recorded it though, didn't you? Uh, no, my TV regurgitates it. Apparently, like they, they started talking um, about that um, Carlton are now um, following a process too. So obviously um, um, they're doing what Collingwood did, but albeit in 13 seconds. Um, and uh, Lyon, was, uh, Lyon was pretty <laughs> indignant about the fact that uh, he may be called in to do interviews and stuff. I think he's sitting there under the grand assumption. And he said as much that, you know, I've coached for 13 years. You know, you know what I'm capable of. I don't need to go out and, you know, explain myself all over again. I've been there, done that. I thought, well, that's really interesting. And that's putting the, the burner back on Carlton. I mean, Carlton obviously want to be seen to be following some sort of process. And if they've already made that decision well and good, but it doesn't seem like that. So it'd be interesting to see whether he uh, he cracks the shits and says, no, bugger, I'm not going for it. Which would seem unlikely, but that, that was sort of the impression I got. I'm actually curious too, is that, no, I mean, there's rumours going around he's already got it and this is just all a farce. And Carlton? Yeah. Performing a farce? I, mean, I actually think it's interesting too. You get two of the people who've really criticised Carlton's process, you know, do, doing the review on that, Lee Matthews, you know, Lee Matthews came out and said the people running that club have no idea how to run the football club. Um, and Matthew Lloyd said the same thing. He said, just because that Luke Sayers is a successful, runs a successful accounting firm, whatever the hell it is, doesn't mean you can translate those processes or transfer those processes to a football club. Um, and I saw him talking about this with Caroline Wilson and she said, well, you know, why is it different? And, and, you know, Lloyd was just saying, well, you know, an accounting firm, no one's got eyes on that. Football club's got all this scrutiny on it. And they're running this process of reviewing the football department. And only people reviewing the football department might not have been there next year. So you're getting people who aren't, might not be there deciding the club's future and all that sort of stuff. And poor David Teague was just, you know, left stranded while all this is going on and pretty much, I don't know, they, they set him up to fail spectacularly, which is what happened. I just found that interesting that just because you've run a business doesn't mean you know how to run a football club. Again, there's there's 
profound differences in how things operate. There might be some things which are transferable, but like for those advocates of Jeff Brown just saying, oh, well, because he runs a bank, he knows how to run a football club. It's like, well, look at what's happening at Carlton. Is that really, isn't that really proof that, you know, sometimes you need some football nows? Oh, absolutely. Um, so looking forward to 2022. And I am. Yep. <laughs> what's your expectation now with, um, with McRae there? And it, it, I know it's being reported that it's done, but I believe the Lepich thing isn't final yet if he is going to come on board. They are talking about bringing in you know, some pretty exciting talent. So that was the one thing we really complained about over the last 10 years is the stagnancy at the Collingwood Football Club in terms of having the same people uh, supporting Nathan Buckley as senior coach, whereas we thought you need change. So what... Yeah, um, well, Maguire alluded it to um, as well on, on, on Classified that there's, um, there's meant to be a widespread of... Um, coaching um, skill sets coming in, I guess, probably the the applicable match that um, they'll be addressing areas that they haven't addressed before rather than just having a you know, defensive midfield and offensive coach. Um, Buckley was an offensive coach. No, that was the gag I was trying to set up. Um, but there, there could be things uh, like, you know, probably maybe a ruck coach. Could you imagine what, what use that would come in? or, you know, stoppages or whatever the, the, the applicable roles are, it, it could be quite diverse, which would be which would be great. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, because of... I recall doing a rant a couple of years ago where we were marvelling they had like 26 different coaches and uh, unfortunately because of COVID, there was a lot of cuts, so things were left mm. to a, a lot fewer. Um, but it'd be interesting to see how they set up for the future and who comes on board and... You know whether we have changed there because I mean I've always believed the assistance you should have some stability there but then you should have uh, you know an influx of new ideas new talent just mm. to keep everybody invigorated uh, and that's something I think we lost the Congo. I mean the one year we did it was 2018 and look at the bent you know look at what happened then and then it really just went back to Sanderson and Harvey and no disrespect to them you know like last year when Gary Hawking left I was like. I would have kept hiking and lost one of the other ones who've been there for a while. Anyway, uh, so what are you looking forward to in the future, Spook? Um, apart from next year's flag? Oh, yeah. Put that down. Um, I think it's just going to be um, uh, seeing the, the development again um, of, of the younger players and hopefully seeing some structure come into the way that they play. I think um, Fly alluded to it in the press conference today about... Um, now he wants to bring a brand of football that the the fans are, are excited by, and you know some of the things they were talking about, you know, with forward entries and and the, you know recognizable forward entities being there. Um, it's exactly what you need to hear. And the other thing that um, you know, I'm really you know, becoming a fan of um, Leper was I've been you know listening to him a fair bit on SEN this year, and he is quite insightful. Um, but I think as as back in the Essendon game, he was doing special comments for Seven, and he was fairly scathing of um, of some of the way that certain players and, and structures were in place with um, with defence, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, Jesus, that's exactly the sort of um, critique that you'd want in inside of the club. And and when sort of it became a little bit more evidently clear that we 
we were going to land him as well. It was really just like, yep, snap, perfect pace. That's that's what we need. Someone who's not going to be afraid to call out particular things. And I want a coaching group that challenges each other. That's not just towing a single party line. That they are working um, collectively as a group and 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 you know installing new ideas and and, and challenging suggestions. Hopefully, it's a great opportunity. Well, we talked about this uh, over Robert Harvey's short tenure, but the moment he took over, he was doing things differently to Nathan Buckley. So, and that, that, that pertains to selections and the way they played. And you just wonder, surely he would have been suggesting those things to Buckley. So they were getting shot down. I mean, I think Matthew Lloyd said it as well. I, I really like Lloyd because he, he's just, he's really insightful and he just shoots straight. But he was talking about, you know, if Buckley was looking back at his tenure this year, would he regret the choices he made? Because we sort of, we didn't just become defensive. We like devolved into this hideous defensiveness that people were just rebelling. It was just just like, what the fuck is going on? It's Mm. not attractive to watch. It's not going to win you any games. And if I'd have those brief flurries, like the... Um, the Geelong game, for example, was three quarters were terrible. And then that last quarter, we kicked, you know, whatever, five goals or something. And people say, why aren't you playing that style more often? Hmm. So I actually want a coach who is going to be able to learn on the, and when I mean learn, it's regardless of whether you've coached for one week or for 10 years, a coach is going to be able to say, okay, I'm trying that. It's not really working. I'm going to change it up rather than someone who's going to say, I'm just going to keep doing that because at some point it'll work. And it's that definition of insanity of like 20 years later or 10 years later, you're still playing this ultra defensive game, which just doesn't, it, it it's not sustainable and it's not producing results. Hmm. Not totally agree. Yeah, no, I think um, it, it, it's, it feels like, I mean, obviously there's going to be a, um, an element of patience involved. We're clearly rebuilding, um, but it feels like, again, it's going to be exciting times. You know, I do, you know, I've, I've harkened back to it a few times, but that that period and, um, you know, probably from about what, 2005 and six, um, where we bottomed out again and then you started to see the development occur. at some of the most exciting times when you're following football to see what potentially may be and then and you hope they just keep taking those next steps. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm the same. And... Um... One thing I'd really love to see, I've always, I've said this for years, I wrote a piece in the Raw, you know. A game really, of football live? Yeah, I've seen live just from the television. Uh, but I, I think I also wrote it like 20 years ago. I'd always, I'd actually love to see an analyst involved in the, uh, sorry, someone appointed to be an, a game analyst who reports back to the coach and the assistant coaches and says, okay, this is what you're trying to do. This is what's happened. This is my report on your strategies, your players, and blah, blah. And the two have no personal interaction. It's just like a report that the coaching staff gets. So it's a it's an assessment every week of what they're doing. Now, the coach can do it for what they want. The coach can turn around and go, well, yeah, look, he doesn't understand what we're doing or we're going to persevere with this player or whatever. But I think the problem is with any coaching staff is when you've been together for a while, it's like that saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. And... Mm you know, you lose that objectivity. So if you have someone from outside reporting back, 
who ne- again never deals with the coaches. So the coaches can't turn around and go, well, this is why we're doing it. You don't want them to be able to justify it or explain it. It's just got to be that person's opinion. And there'd be plenty of, you know, get someone like Mick Malthouse, you know, who was the, uh, a really defensive strategic coach in a lot of ways. So, you know, just say, hey, this is this is how I feel that game went. Take my feedback, don't take it. This is my report. I'd love for sort of some that sort of evolution to happen in coaching. I don't know if it will happen, but that's what I'd love to see. Uh, just finally, captain for next year. Um, I don't think I can do it. Oh, okay. Well, that's sad. Um, the crazy said he's good. I, I think, I don't know. I, I, we've talked about this. I don't think Taylor Adams is obviously going to be the. The potential. I, look, I actually think he'll probably the Pendles will go around again. Well, McRae said he'd, he'd leave it to Pendles. Um, he'd allow Pendles to make a call on his leadership. Damn you, McRae! <laughs> yeah, look, I don't think anyone is really ready to step into that. And I'm, you know, like the likes of Moore and, and Grundy, I, I, you really don't get a sense of that they really want to do that either. That maybe Dacos? it's another 12 months to cultivate um, another kid coming through and you know, some form of standout that, that has excellent leadership ability. Again, you know, you, you always look back at Nick Maxwell as the perfect example of um, talent doesn't make you a great captain. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I mean, but the thing to, you got to base, oh, sorry. We can only assess this from the outside looking in. Um, the players themselves are going to know, you know, who are good leaders within their own group. Uh, so there might still be someone from outside the group. I recall speaking to Richard Stremsky and he said Brody Majchek was very highly regarded and had good leadership quality. So you might, you know, have some outsider come in and do it. Hmm. Um, but I, I understand giving Pendles the license to make his own decision. Uh, but I'd actually like if from next year, they started planning for like a long-term future and transitioned him out of that role and gave it to someone else, you know, and I'm not talking about a side bottom or someone, I'm talking like someone who's going to be there four or five years. Yeah. Um, and it'd be great if, you know, certain players when they get the captaincy, they just go up to another level. If they could, if they have a metric for that, inside that group, like if they could actually tell, is the captaincy going to bring the best out of them or are they just going to wear it as a, a label? Like I go back to Tony Shaw was a great captain. He really, it sort of really brought the best out of him. Peter Dacos actually thought was a really good captain when he was a standing captain a few times. He just went up to another level also. Um, someone like Gavin Brown, I don't think it really did a lot for him and he was pretty, he seemed to be pretty quiet on the field. He was mm-hmm. always insanely courageous and all that and the captaincy i think he could have made him even more courageous uh so if there's a player that the captaincy is going to lift to another level and so we can lead by example i'd be going to that person so you imagine why not (laughs) i'll set nick dacos go for nick dacos is he he's our number two pick four pick i don't know number points pick you just uh, you bundle the captaincy in with those now, do you? Why not? Didn't Carlton give Judd the captaincy when he just showed up? Sky's the limit now at Collingwood. We've broken all the rules. Oh, Carlton did do that, didn't they? They just gave it straight to Judd. 
Yeah. Do you remember their list at the time, though? Yeah, but still, you know, you, you've never played there. No one knows who you are and you just walk up. But that's good old Carlton for us. Uh, final thoughts? Um, I don't have any. That's a nice change. Any no, um, like I said, look, I'm feeling um, invigorated. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to to getting to the point where we're uh, we're doing the draft soon. So um, flick off these uh, a couple of weeks of inconsequential finals. Uh, I don't think anyone really cares anymore, do they? The the VFL season has been called off. I read today, which probably means the the VFLW uh, grand final won't go ahead. Which is um, that's a new one for Collingwood. We've ticked another box. Um, the, um I think we get this. Um, Who's, who's left in the finals? No one, no one really. I was going to TPA. Geelong, Geelong Giants this week after I tipped. Geelong Giants? Geelong versus the Giants. Yeah, what about it? Sorry? I was just going to ask for a tip. Oh, um, Cats. Yeah, after I tipped Geelong to, you know, be good, they were terrible. Uh, Lions Brisbane. Lions Brisbane. Lions Bulldogs. <laughs> um. Lions, but I wouldn't be surprised if the dogs win. And you got a premiership tip. Um, so Melbourne and Port are the other two teams now who have the week off. Geez, I, I think on form last week, Port looked exceptionally good. And you can have a patchy sort of, you know, they weren't really patchy during the season. I mean, they were sort of like were unobtrusively up the top of the ladder, but they looked really switched on the other night. And if they can maintain that, I think they'd stitch up. Um, Melbourne. I'm actually going for Port also simply because, not simply, but for the reasons you've mentioned, Melbourne does look great, but Melbourne's going to have to travel twice. And then if they win through, they have to travel again to play to a grand final. Port's probably going to, have to play two home games, or they've already played one, and they'll get another one most likely. And then they'll only travel all once to the grand final. So I actually think that's going to factor in. Mm-hmm. That's uh, a fair point. Also, just finally, on the, the Toby Green suspension, three weeks for shouldering an umpire. What do I think? Yeah. I see uh, old Gills um, appealing the decision um, and it won't be dealt with till after the, the grand final. Um, I think they'll be gunning for the six weeks he probably should have got. And as much as, you know... Um, you can argue against that. Um, it's still not a great look. And this is a bloke who's got a rap sheet a mile long um, where the message just never seems to hit home. I think he needs that wake-up smack. Well, um, I don't know who the players because I don't know GWS players, but if you watch that footage, Green, yeah, he obviously goes straight for the ump. The player behind him, his teammate behind him, he's following the same line as Green, but he steps well around the ump and he just does it. He almost does it, you know, um, unconsciously. He just automatically walks around the arm. But I, I thought it was really... Just... That. That's Jesse Hogan that's walking behind him that um, you've it? seen uh, hop yeah. the magic loogie about 4,000 times in the last week. But it's like that emotion. Yeah, I just found that interesting. He, he, yeah, he goes to the, to the right. Uh, and I just thought that actually gives you a really good contrast of what should and shouldn't be done in relation to umpires. I mean, I, I don't agree uh, that... Green should get six. I think three is a good penalty and at halftime of the grand final, he should be flogged in front of everyone. <laughs> and I, I think that'll probably give him that wake-up call. Anyway, that's it, from, yep, that's it from us. We'll be back with other stuff we have planned. Do we have plans? Oh, we have plans, yeah. Well, clearly, we have clearly not with the Victorian state government then. Ah, well, now that... 
Well, now that Eddie McGuire is out of the rant podcast, I mean, the shadow's lifted. We can do what we want. That's it. And be we, bloody well will. Yeah. Anyway, later. See ya.